He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name is Kyle. I will once again be your host. Joined by the rest of the Munson's. Want to give them a wide berth. He's what is called a born loser. A real Munson. <laughs> and talk a little bit about what's going on in their worlds. We'll start this time with James. So I made it 34 years on this earth. I've never had any leg injuries, mostly due to the fact that I have legs that are the size of tree trunks. And then despite never, ever hurting a leg once in my life, completely out of nowhere, I woke up and it felt like my knee was uh, like collapsing in on itself. And so while our guest here that uh, you'll be introduced to shortly is a avid runner, I think I'm one of the first people to almost have to get knee surgery from just sleeping while being old. So that has been pretty shitty. Uh, but turns out I didn't tear anything. Everything's good on my end now. Welcome, James. Welcome. Dude, I just like stood up and was like, oh, well, that doesn't feel like that's working properly. And I sat right back down. I was like, all right, I'm terrified. I've never experienced this before. That's why Madi doesn't do the podcast anymore, because we all have knee injuries. He can't have these non-runners on his podcast. <laughs> no, it's, it's just bad possible. juju, man. You don't want that negative energy around you. Case. Well, as you guys know, I troll the Munson to the movie message boards under the name Posey Munson. And uh, there's a lot of chatter on the message boards that we need to have a mascot. And I was just curious what y'all's first thoughts were for a mascot for our podcast. And do you guys remember the day Posey? All I think is Parker Posey. Uh, yeah. I had to connect the dots on this one. I don't. Kyle, do you want to tell who Posey is? You guys remember when I told you the story about how I was presenting and the dog took a huge shit? Oh, yeah. The dog's name was Posey. That's pretty good. <laughs> the message boards are buzzing about what we should do for a mascot, just so you guys know. Any, any thoughts? Oh, man. You give me some time, I'll think up some actor that we have just dogged out consistently on here <laughs> and a role that they've played. Rigby. So, yeah, I've spent the last couple of days researching everything there is to know about Brie Larson to uh, now that she's a member of the Fast and Furious universe, trying to figure out the day that James is going to try to stump us with some Brie Larson facts. Also would be a fun, fun one to do on the pod, by the way. Today could be that day. I really admire you guys willing to do research. I think that's impressive. <laughs> it was just on the wheel recently. Yeah, Rigby, I was going to say the same thing. I'm just genuinely excited for James getting a chance to dump Bree into the, the facts. I think he's going to go on a run. Just like this all started because he went on a Vin Diesel run for three episodes, and it's just been a running joke for 57 more. I, I think there's a chance he might go on a Bree kick, or if I get lucky, he's on a Shea Wiggum kick. We'll get there. <laughs> when I'm a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I'm calling you if a question from that comes up. Yeah, and I'll and I'll sadly know it, and I'm going to answer like kind of <laughs> depressed, like yeah. What do you want to know? <laughs> well, we're excited to welcome back Monty Grohl. He is formerly a host of a weekly movie review podcast, but now he focuses on creating gaming content on YouTube and Twitch. He recently finished his doctorate in biomedical engineering out in Boston, but is lucky enough to do content creation full time. He still loves podcasting and considers it an honor to be welcomed back to the Munsons to talk about movies and TV. I promise he wrote that himself. We did not put that in there. I did not. Did your wife write that? He's putting words in my mouth. It's all Kyle. 
Just like I put into the show notes, right? (laughs) That's what I'm here for. But he was previously here with us for the Sam Rockwell and Chris Hemsworth episode. Welcome back, Monty. How's life? How are you? And tell us about the uh, YouTube and Twitch world. Life, life is good. Thanks so much for having me back, guys. It's been a really, really long time, and it feels like one of those things that, like, like I can, I can measure time passing by by when my next appearance on the Munsons is. Because it's like when we schedule it, it's like that's <laughs> that's eight months away. That's that's a whole another lifetime away. And then I get the email that it's in two weeks, and I'm like, what the? F- that it's been eight months. <laughs> you know, it's life's been good. YouTube's been been really wild. It's been a really quick and fun ride, mostly up, which has been fortunate and lucky. So I'm just really happy that I'm get to do all sorts of fun stuff with all types of people like you guys and and all sorts of other content creators. It's just been a blast. It's awesome, dude. Good to have you back, man. Yeah, man. I love having you on. Yeah, I've missed talking about movies. I, you know, sometimes when I'm on the stream stuff, it's, it's all gaming and Pokemon stuff, but every now and then someone will be like, have you seen this movie? What do you think? And I get to go on my little <laughs> five minute spiel of the movie that nobody asked for. So thanks for having me back to talk movies. I appreciate it. Just start talking to random people at the grocery store about movies. Oh yeah, (laughs) just what they want—a white male coming up to him to talk about movies when they didn't. Let me tell you what you should know about Haley Steinfeld. You need to know my opinion immediately. (laughs) I'm excited for you to do a plug later in the show, so you can just stun on people with how many damn views you have on your YouTube account. It's ridiculous—178,000 subscribers. That's wild. No big deal. Why are you not one of them? That's what I'm asking. What, what else do I have to do? Beg. Seriously, let me know. <laughs> all bots? <laughs> all yeah, bots. Is all here. Russian bots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as they shut it down in Russia, it was amazing. It went down significantly. Yeah, it was yeah. odd. Very odd. All right, Marty, let's let's have some fun. Let's get into uh, Haley Steinfeld. But before we do that, we're going to get into some birthdays for April 21st. Rigby, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I thought we'd start out with a former Munson, uh, a Munson alumni, Gugu Mbathara. What episode number was that, Kyle? Do you remember? It was around 15. Yeah. Yeah, it was early. 15 to 20, somewhere in there. She's great in Black Mirror. She is great in Black Mirror. That's one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. Same. I can't remember what movie I even watched for that episode. But I oh, I do. So, Mine yeah, was Cloverfield, uh, and it was awful. Oh, that's oh that right. movie's so bad. <laughs> it was so bad it was fun, but it was so bad. So if you guys remember, you know, maybe when her career started in that episode, you might be able to guess her age, but who wants to start? I'm going to throw 32 into the ring. I was going to say 32. Okay, 33. Oh, tight window case. Uh, should I continue the... No, I'm going to go lower. I think she's a little bit younger than that. I'm going to go 28. 36. He's James, you crushed it by guessing the oldest. She's turning 39. Holy shit. Good looks great. Good for her. Wow. You guys were giving her way too much credit for starting her career at such an early age. Well, wait a minute. How old was she when we recorded? Was she 32 when we did our (laughs) (laughs) Feels like it, doesn't it? Yes. Next up, James McAvoy, X-Men, Split, Glass, Atonement, which is a great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, He's a big star in Hollywood. You know, he's one of those guys that I'll try to check out anything that he's in. I like him a lot. So how how, how old's our boy James turning? Hmm. 43. It seems like a pretty good guess. I might be too old. Oh no, though. <laughs> you know, it might be too young. Honestly, I'm gonna go 45. All right. Well, now I'll go uh, younger. I'm gonna go also 36. 48. Oh my god, we have no idea. Marty, right on the dot. 43. Yes, my man. <laughs> Legend. I I knew he he couldn't be approaching 50, but he's he's 
I mean, I, he's put in a pretty good career for himself. I'm just so discombobulated from Gugu that I'm screwed up now on all my ages. Last one will be fun then. Mr. Tony Danza, great Hall of Fame pitcher Mel Clark in Angels in the Outfield. Oh, Mikosa, Tony Danza. <laughs> That's all I think of. <laughs> the friends quote. So I'm going to get you a 72. I'll go a little uh, younger, you know, 65. 75, I don't know. So Angels in the Outfield came out in 94. Mel Clark was on the back end of his career, so I got to think he was late 30s, maybe 38. And that was almost 30 years ago. So I'm going to go I'm going to go 68. Kyle, that theory was bullshit, but you just won. Nice work. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the closest, but by price of right rules, you win. Uh he's turning 71. That was like the Billy Madison speech during the debate. <laughs> Because of it, I reward you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. I like it. I like it. Good work, Kyle. You're pulling in my heartstrings talking about angels in the outfield. All right, Rigby, we split it up. Everybody everybody except Case got one that time. Thank you. Congratulations, Case. You loser. Mm-hmm. Five actors onto the wheel. This is episode 60. Holy moly. Those five actors that we threw onto the wheel were Julie Hagerty, Nicholas Holt, the aforementioned Brie Larson, and Chaz Palminteri. But it doesn't matter. Mati didn't even know those four were on there until he looked at the show notes because he picked Haley Steinfeld, who the wheels selected. As you look at her career, and obviously that's why we're here, we're gonna, she's a young actress, so we'll be able to cover a lot of what she's done versus Hidea last time, who had like 140 credits. We cover maybe half. Haley has 53 credits on her young roster, including 19 films, a lot of music videos. So really, when you think about it, 22 music videos of those 53, she's only got about 30 film and TV credits in the bunch, and that includes five shorts. Young actress, always interesting to cover them. We'll start where we always do and see if James can stump us Fast and Furious style. So I'm about to read three facts here. Two of them are going to be true about Haley Steinfeld, and one of them is not going to be true about Haley, but will be true about one of the many successful and illustrious cast members of the Fast and Furious franchise. Tenth movie coming out. I know everyone's excited. The story is probably about family. So fact number one, was homeschooled from the time she was eight until she graduated high school by the age of 15. Fact number two, Ninth youngest actress ever nominated for Academy Award at the age of 14. Fact number three. Has just under 11 million monthly listeners on Spotify. I can never remember how sneaky you are with these because she's obviously (laughs) a singer, right? So you could... So I feel like three might be correct. And I know for a fact she got nominated for True Grit. I don't know if she was 14 at the time. Or if she's the ninth youngest or like the seventh youngest or whatever. Oh, I, I mess with numbers. I, I do as much as I can at this point. <laughs> and I mean, he said 11 million. You said 11 million mm-hmm. monthly listeners on Spotify. I mean, that easily could just be manipulated. Like she could be higher or lower. Yeah. I do think it's Vin Diesel. And I think it's the one where he got nominated when he was 14 years old. I don't remember what role it was, but I'm sure as a young actor, he was recognized as a, as a true thespian. <laughs> Vin Diesel? Yes. <laughs> That's mine. She kind of has homeschooled energy, though, too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is tough, man. All right. I'm fairly confident that she was homeschooled, to your point, Mati. So I'm going to go with fact one. Shea Wiggum was homeschooled and graduated high school at 15. I'm riding this lightning as long as I can until I get it right. Kyle, 
hop on Shea Wiggum's IMDb and just look at the page in its entirety because it is a single sentence and then it's his filmography. And the sentence is like, Shea Wiggum's an actor. And then it's just all of his credits. Like the dude does not have anything online. Case has an IMDb Pro, so we're going to start feeding him fake facts to put on (laughs) Shea Wiggum's profile. I can, yeah. Yeah, we can make shit up. (laughs) I went to high school with that guy, and he was a mean shooting guard. I'm going to think that James tried to pull a fast one with uh, Brie Larson right out of the gate. So I'm going to go one is the lie, and I think that's Brie. Good guess. I'm going to say three is the lie, and that's a relative... I I don't know, 11 million? Is Is that a lie? I don't know, but... I'll say that that's actually like, I don't know, Tyrese Gibson or something. I don't know who else is in Fast and Furious. Luda. Luda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I changed it to Luda. Yeah. That makes way more sense. First, I'll go with fact number two. Ninth youngest actress ever nominated for Academy Award at the age of 14. That is true. She lost to Melissa Leo, who won for her role in The Fighter, which actually had two Best Supporting Actress nominees because that is one of the many Amy Adam nominations as well. The youngest actress ever nominated for an Oscar was the age of 10, which has happened four times. The most recent one being Abigail Breslin for Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, So back number three has just under 11 million monthly listeners on Spotify is true. So this is actually more than any actor in the Fast and the Furious franchise. And if you think about it, there's a lot of musicians in that franchise. There's Ludacris, Ja Rule, Bow Wow, and Tyrese. Uh, it's more than any of them alone. But if you were to actually combine all of their monthly listeners, it's just two million less than all of them combined. So get your shit together. <laughs> For real. Yeah, what are you doing? Fact number one. Was homeschooled from the time she was eight until she graduated high school at the age of 15. Uh, While Haley was homeschooled from the age of 12 to coincide with her acting schedule and the travel that was associated with it, this is actually recently announced star of the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise, Brie Larson. There we go. Uh, She was homeschooled from the time she was eight, and according to her, it's because she was weird. Um, I don't think that's a justifiable reason. But if that's the case, hey, it obviously worked out for her. Well, thanks again, James, for your wonderful work with the trivia world. And we will then transition over to Craig to tell us a little bit about Haley's snapshot and box office history. My favorite thing about her box office career is that it's got 19 movies. So I had very little box office research to do. That was exciting. This is one of the ones that putting in the numbers and plugging everything in, it really surprised me how well she does. She doesn't have any really outstanding numbers. And again, she's so young in her career. I I don't know that she's necessarily driving box office numbers, but she certainly isn't hurting them. Her overall box office rank is going to be low because she's only got the 19 movies. Her critic ranking. 21st, uh, which is a 61.5. Fan ranking is 58.9, which is 38th. So that's kind of interesting for a young crossover star to have a high critic ranking, but a low fan ranking. Then she's 17th and 30th in the different box office metrics we have. Here's where I just, I just, it floored me. And this shoots her number up. She's currently sixth in IMDb star meter ranking. At 202. However, between November 21st and December 12th, so for three straight ranking periods, she held the number one spot on IMDb. 
And it appears it's all related to Hawkeye. And we'll talk about that, obviously, later. But because of that, her overall ranking shoots her up to 14th. Whoa. On our box office metrics. I think it goes to show, one, how popular Marvel projects are. And if shooting her to number one on IMDb, like that, we haven't encountered that at any episode of anybody yet where they were number one recently. Yeah. So that's wild. The closest we had was Emily Blunt, and she was two, I think. Okay. All right. We'll see if the final score is in the 12 to 14 range. I, you know, you never know. We might get surprised when it's all said and done. So what's interesting, I mean, she's only been acting since 2007. So we're talking about somebody who's only been doing this professionally, or at least semi-professionally, for 15 years. I mean, she's 26? 25. uh, You might be right. 26. 25 and 26. She's young in her career, but it'll be interesting to kind of chart the path so far of where she's been. So first major role is going to be 2010. We've alluded to it a few times, but before that, born in L.A., you know, born on the West Coast, out, out in Rigby's neck of the woods. Her cousin was in a commercial when she was eight years old. According to her, that's what led her to want to pursue acting. But because she's young, there's not much else out there. As to kind of the early days, like James mentioned, she was homeschooled as she started to do the work and travel. You know, there's just not a lot of like her life early on that's spicy enough to talk about, right? If you go to Wikipedia and look anywhere. So she did a couple shorts in 2008, 2009. She's a Fox and Heather, a fairy tale. And then did an episode of Sons of Tucson in 2010. So that that's everything before 2010. But her career blew up. In a really cool way after 2010's True Grit, which is our what we're calling first major role, and I think in this case it is rightfully earned. And James has the honor of reviewing this one. True Grit's based on a book by Charles Portis that came out in, I want to say, in the 60s. The main protagonist is a 14-year-old Maddie who is played by Haley Steinfeld. And so, again, the main actor of this movie, despite her eventually being nominated for a Best Supporting Actress. She has the most screen time of anyone in this movie by far. So 14-year-old Maddie joins an aging U.S. Marshal uh, played by Jeff Bridges in all of his glory. And then kind of like another lawman who I really enjoyed in this, who was played by Matt Damon. So she is dominating screen time with Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon in her first major roles. It's huge. The plot is that they are tracking the her father's killer kind of into hostile native american territory in the old west and it is a coen brothers movie and so like all coen brothers movie it is beautifully shot like the scenery is stunning there's the typical coen's quirky moments and there's also kind of the quirky moments in the cinematography itself uh i found the story compelling and the dialogue was actually pretty like I found it kind of dry and funny, which really helps because the atmosphere of the Old West is like so bleak that it was kind of refreshing to hear them kind of shit talk each other throughout this story. Uh, It was nominated for 10 Oscars and it won zero. That was kind of my brief one. I have a bunch of data I can add in here, but I'd rather hear uh, your guys' opinions on the movie. I love the irony that you gave us a John Wayne fact the last episode, and this episode you're covering a remake of a John Wayne movie. Oh, buddy, if you don't think I looked up if... Because he, he won an Oscar for his role in this. He played the same role as Jeff Bridges. Wow. And if, if you don't think I looked up to see if that's when he tried to beat up that Native American woman, I did mm-hmm. look that up, but it was actually a few years later. So... 
uh, you know, good on John Wayne for at least <laughs> waiting until three years after he won his Oscars to try to assault someone as opposed to like 10 minutes prior, uh, like Will Smith did. The faves. Over oh, 10 is just mind blowing, though. Like, that's just, that hurts. It's like, it's like the Irishman. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I like I like True Grit a lot, and I like it better than the last Coen Brothers movie that I had to review, which is Blood Simple. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the only Coen Brothers movie that's a remake. Is that right? Oh, it has to be, yeah. Yeah. Unless you count Macbeth. That's a good point. It's also the only Coen's brother uh, movie to gross over $100 million. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I think the reason this movie's good is because first of all, somebody one of you said it, Jeff Bridges is, is in his element in this, similar to his role in Hell or High Water, just like nails every single mm-hmm. delivery mm-hmm. is just like, so good. It's exactly who Jeff Bridges was like made to play. And the fact that Haley Steinfeld was with him step for step in this is awesome. Um and I think just think of the cast in this, like Josh Brolin. Jeff Bridges, Haley Steinfeld, Matt Damon, as you mentioned, and she's competing with him. Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, she's getting nominated for Oscars. Great. This is a top five movie for the from the Coen Brothers for me for sure. I was just gonna say this is. I think this is one of the most accessible of the Coen Brothers movies. Maybe because it is a remake, Ooh. but it, it has a lot of the eccentricities of the Coen Brothers movies without the more eccentric and sort of like abstract, I would say, plots. Right. This plot is very straightforward, and I think it's like interesting to see those things merge together. And I mean, everything you guys are saying about Haley Steinfeld in this, just the fact that she's like going toe to toe with all of these massive actors is pretty cool. I think like you also get, she kind of has a personality. I think in a lot of her films that is like off, off the beaten track a little bit, kind of annoying. And I think it builds or, you know, it starts in here. Angsty yeah, teen. Angsty, but, angsty teen. Is- but like a little obnoxious yeah. too. And I think for this, when she's paired with Jeff Bridges, it really, really works. Mm-hmm. Agging him on the whole time. I think I'm I'm like infatuated with good child actors because and I think I unfairly weight the scale for them because I expect them to normally take away from a movie experience like yeah. pull me out of you know the immersion and when they don't and they add to it I'm like blinders on immediately like genius genius like how could it possibly anyone be better than that because it it's it happened with Taisha and and I was blown away and then in this I was like oh okay Haley Steinfeld I know her more as like the pop star I was like I wonder what role she is in this and she's the main role and it's and she's 14 and looks every bit 14 and is you know holding court with these grown men in kind of the old wild wild west where it's the most dangerous place for a 14 year old girl to be especially be orphaned and i thought she did really well i was i was blown away by her performance specifically and i think her kind of quirkiness did add to the interactions that she had with jeff bridges she's the star of the movie she is it, everything the the emotional beat goes through her right like the whole story goes through her and then number three i just read that fifteen thousand girls applied for the role and yep she they picked her out of the, the bunch so it's just not like she had a ton on her resume before this, so remarkable. She had to audition eight times for the Coen brothers. Mm. And then they said they picked her because of how well she handled the script. And because the script is a lot, like it is a lot of dialogue and it's a lot of conversations that 
aren't necessarily driving the plot, but are very detailed and kind of combative. And that's just thoroughly impressive for a 13-year-old to handle. Not a bad way to start your uh, film career, getting in a Coen Brothers movie and getting an Oscar nomination. That's probably going to take you places. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Coming out of that first role in 2010, over the next couple of years... She did three more shorts. She did her first TV movie called Summer Camp. And then her first music video was in 2012, a sign of what was to come. She appeared in the cabs endlessly. Next movie was in 2013. It's called Hate Ship, Love Ship. It's on YouTube. She plays a little angsty teen in that one. Nothing remarkable. Plays Sabatha. But does get to show off some of her musical talents in 2013's Begin Again as Violet, the daughter of Mark Ruffalo. Good film. Mm-hmm. Kira Knightley. Very charming. Yep. Charming film. The director said he never wants to work with a supermodel as an actress ever again. He's not referring to Haley Steinfeld. He's referring to Kira Knightley. <laughs> Did read that. But yeah, she gets to show off some of those uh, musical skills in this one. Again, early sign of what was to come. And Mark Ruffalo is just damn good at what he does. So that's, I think that's... It would be hilarious to me if at 2013... She is already a pain in the ass. That would have been really funny. <laughs> isn't, isn't that like the fear every parent of a child actor has is like, oh, is this 13-year-old going to get really into coke or are they going to be like normal? <laughs> like what's going to happen here? And that's going to take us to the largest audience gap, which is Romeo and Juliet, which is my review. Now, you guys know how much I love a good period piece. You know how much I love a Shakespearean play turned into a film. You know, that's just right up my alley. Wasn't that your nickname in high school, Shakespeare? No, my nickname can't be referenced on here on this podcast because someone would use it as blackmail. But clearly lying. I One, I already don't like period pieces. Number two, I hate Shakespeare. <laughs> I don't hate Shakespeare. I just don't like watching Shakespeare on film. Number three, I don't like great, like, shitty remakes. So Romeo and Juliet is... The, I guess at the time, the latest remake of, this, of the traditional and well-known story. So if you've never heard of it, and if you haven't, I have questions. I have a lot of questions. But I think before I get into the review, it's important to note that every time I think of Romeo and Juliet, I think of one of my favorite Anthony Jeselnik jokes. And that is, if it weren't for Romeo and Juliet, I would have totally overreacted when my fiance killed herself. <laughs> which is... I, I always laugh at. And then he always follows up and says, well, clearly that's not a joke for everybody. I mean, just people who read. <laughs> and so that's the one I always go back to. But if you're interested in the film itself, because you're like, I didn't know what Romeo and Juliet remake came out in 2013. Here's the actors. It features Stellan Skarsgård. Good. A very young Cody Smith McPhee, the guy who was just nominated for an Oscar for Power of the Dog. Damian Lewis plays her father. She plays Juliet. Surprise, lead role again. Leslie Manville plays Nurse, which is really cool. Also read that Holly Hunter was originally supposed to play Nurse. And then Leslie Manville was brought in behind. Leslie Manville, awesome actress. So not a bad second choice by any stretch. Paul Giamatti is in this, and he is the best part of the movie. I will say that 100%. He's got a really emotional role at the end. That's pretty awesome. And then Natasha McElone. The, the movie follows the plot of the the play pretty closely, but it it uses little of the language, the Shakespearean language, which I at least appreciated. So I didn't completely fall asleep while I was watching it. Cause that like tragedy of Macbeth, beautifully shot cinematography was amazing. Denzel 
Francis McDormand, incredible, but holy shit, I can't, I just don't care. And it's so hard for me to follow along with, with that type of dialogue. So you don't get a ton of it. That is the only movie in the last like five or 10 years that I had to stop watching. Like I just turned to my girlfriend and I was like, I, I know there's 40 minutes of this movie left, but like, I just like, I can't, I, I don't understand. I literally don't understand what's going <laughs> you on. You can't follow along. Yep. Yeah, I, I've never read the book and I guess I don't know English. So it was, it was rough. No, dude, even, even when we were assigned the book, like there was, you would read a page and then the next page was like, I know those were English words you just read, but you, you obviously don't know what's going on. Here's what he meant by that. I was like, just uh, what is happening here? And uh, Monty, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but uh, you didn't miss much. So I'll say this without more negativity on, on the movie itself. Although she's only 15, I think she plays it like she's 20, even though they want, you know, Lily Collins was the original actress. She's got a ton of screen presence. I mean, you see it in True Grit, but even in this, She's got this magnetic personality every time she's on screen for being a young person. And to your point, James, like young actors, actresses like that should not have that. Most don't have that level of screen presence. Usually it takes years and years and years for you to be able to master your craft like that. And it's it's pretty impressive to watch her. I did. I never saw what the gap was. So now I'm going to look at the gap. The gap was 23 for critics, 46 for audiences. So I'm probably in the I'm like a 35 on this. I'm right in the middle. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's there are much better Romeo and Juliet interpretations that I'd suggest people go watch. That's Romeo and Juliet. Two years until our next review. 2013, we have Ender's Game. Plays Petra, a movie alongside Asa Butterfield, um, Viola Davis, Harrison Ford. That book is so good. That movie is so bad. Have you seen that movie? I have. It's on HBO Max currently. It's horrendous. It's like mm-hmm. so disappointing. It's just so disjointed. James, you were talking about like hating bad child actors. I, I'm sorry. I think Asa Butterfield is terrible in this movie. I agree. <laughs> it, they they make they frame him up as a badass, and nothing about him is intimidating or badass. It takes you out immediately. Yeah, it's such a clunky movie, but the book is really cool. I feel like this came out around the time where everybody was trying to make like a new sci-fi franchise thing, and it just feels so lifeless, so forced, so like. We're going to hit the the points of what technically constitutes as like a big budget sci-fi movie. So there's a chase scene and there's the training in the school scenes and stuff. But none of it actually like works and the world doesn't feel built in. All the acting is very, very rough. I do think actually Viola Davis and Haley Seinfeld are, are, are fine. Yeah. But like, man, it, it wants to be this let's introduce the kids or almost like a Top Gun thing where they're like in the school and they're all hanging out and learning and then they go to the big mission, but it just doesn't work for me at all. It's one of those ones that's like, if I didn't know how good it could be, then I might not hate it as much yeah. and it might just be like one of those. Eh, oh, I see. Oh, okay, you're com- yeah, you're comparing it to the source material, yeah. right? If it's yeah. stood on its own. Yeah, you're ignorant to its potential and you're like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it's like watching Being the Ricardos and thinking it's a great movie and then you watch Desi and Lucy and you're like, holy shit. Lucy was funny and there's no humor at all in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the one criticism I appreciated where it's like, this is... It's so brave. The world-class comedian of that era and the, there's no humor whatsoever in the movie. I'm like, that's pretty yeah. funny. Um, the first movie when you said this was like the time when they were coming out with a bunch of like fantasy type stuff. The yeah. first movie that came to mind, Maze Runner, came out in 2014. Yeah, there you go. The Although I, I kind of like Maze Runner. I, I didn't, I didn't mind it either. That one's all right, 
but yeah, no, I know, I know what I know what you mean. All, all the like YA. This was like when Hunger Games was out, right? So it was mm-hmm. all the YA craze too, yep. and everything. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Couple more projects before next review. We've got Three Days to Kill. She played Zoe, another troubled teenager role alongside Kevin Costner. Plays like a kind of an assassin alongside Amber Heard. It was like Born Identity meets Taken, but shittier. Yeah. Is so good. I was going to say, I liked both of those movies yeah. you just mentioned. But shittier. So is this good? No. Oh, dang. I mean, watch for yourself. So it's like but... those two good movies if they were put together in <laughs> bad. I kind of like that Costner's transitioned into the, like shitty dad roles. Not like, not shitty roles, but like roles where he plays bad fathers. Because I think he's pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. So that stinks that apparently this movie stinks because I thought he was great in Molly's game as like the shitty dad. So following True Grit, we see a couple Westerns that she participates in. The first one being The Homesman as Tabitha in 2014, a film alongside John Lithgow. Smaller role in that one. But that's going to take us to another Western, The Keeping Room. It is our largest critic app and case has it. The Keeping Room is a 2014 American Western Really kind of a a Civil War Western film directed by Daniel Barber and written by Julia Hart. Stars Britt Marling, Haley Steinfeld, Muna Uturu, Sam Worthington. And and that's really the only ones that that jump out at you and have a substantial role. I will make this argument up front and then try to support it. I think if this movie were made in the 2020s, it would have been received much better by the audience. It is a series of jarring like situations and events that these these three girls, Britt Marling and Haley Steinfeld, are sisters, and Muno Ataru is their slave. And it's at the end of the Civil War, and it's as the Union Army is basically making its final marches through the South. I thought it was really interesting at the at the beginning of the movie because the first two thirds of it. There's not a lot of dialogue. I think that probably hurts Haley Steinfeld in this a little bit because I don't I don't think she's acting as well as as Britt Marling, who's really just stealing the show. I thought it was a really interesting movie. I'd never heard of it. Frankly, I didn't really want to watch it when I was reading the description. But as I was watching the movie, I was really compelled with with how I thought there was a natural intensity. There was a natural like sense of doom and gloom and and these three women are trying to basically work their way through it because they're you know their dad and i think brothers and then the slaves lover were all killed in the war well the slaves lover was killed by accident but so they're they don't have any any males to help with anything and the the union army's coming the central plot of the story is that the oldest sister, Augusta, played by Marling, basically goes into town, gets the attention of Sam of Sam Worthington and Sam Worthington's partner. And the two of them basically follow her back to her house in a very graphic and disturbing scene. The uh, other soldier, not Sam Worthington, rapes Haley Steinfeld and... Sam Worthington's basically trying to he's he's pursuing Britt Marling or Augusta. It's a, just a very tense movie and uh, and and I really liked it. 
I like the ending. I didn't. I didn't mind the ending because you know it's really like a these three women defending themselves against these soldiers, and so it. it to your point, it's kind of quiet. You know, it's it's not a fast paced film by any stretch. It just nothing stood out to me comparatively. Yeah. Just kind of dull to me in in certain places. But what's interesting about it is you say it's not fast paced, but it really only takes period in a very short, maybe maybe a twenty four hour window. Glad you brought up the ending. I saw Roger Ebert's review, and I know Rigby likes him. Roger Ebert says, the film ends with a twist that suggests what lies ahead actually might be more interesting than what we have witnessed so far, which I thought was was pretty interesting, because at the very, very end of the movie, you hear the Union Army coming, and the three women decide to dress up as men, set the house on fire, and then escape like Roger Ebert says, it's kind of compelling to think about what happened after this. So overall, I, I really did like this movie. I thought Haley Steinfeld was good, but I think the first half or first two thirds of the movie where it's really driven by physical emotion, I don't think she was great at. She probably does better towards the end when, when she's in more speaking roles, but overall she's good. Just not as good at the, she's not as good at the beginning of the movie as she is at the end. So would you fall in the gap? I'm firmly with the critics on this. I, again, I think if this movie was made in the 2020s, I think it would be received a lot better. High praise. 2015. So very, very busy in 2015. And I think this is where her career goes from, I mean, pretty prominent to it's it's ascending for sure quickly here. So first project in 2015 is 10,000 Saints. She plays Eliza, a movie alongside a pretty stacked cast. Ethan Hawke, Marty's favorite, Asa Butterfield, is back. On the, on the case again, <laughs> Emil Hirsch, Emily Mortimer, Julian Nicholson. He's good, just not an Ender's Game. Have you seen him in this movie? I have not. Have, have you seen the hair that... I want you to Google real quick. Asa Butterfield, 10,000 Saints. Right. I want you to look up his hair. Everybody should look it up real quick, and you will understand oh, how, how obnoxious... About halfway through the movie, he loses that an hair. Anime character. Yeah, he looks like an anime character. He's got this like just like single lock that comes over his eyes. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, the story is about a teen played by Asa. Haley's like a drug addicted teenager who ends up getting pregnant by a kid who dies earlier in the movie. Asa's like best friend. Spoiler alert. And then Emil Hirsch plays a, like a punk rock singer in a band. And they all kind of create their own like surrogate family with Ethan Hawke as the dad. It's just kind of it's a weird movie. Uh, it was almost Critic App. It's a 58-36 mix. I don't know if I'd recommend it necessarily, but it's unique. I'll give it that. You don't normally see her playing yeah, against character. a teenager who's gone off the rails. A little bit different. Not quite the teen pregnancy drama that was uh, like Elliot Page and um, Juno or anything like that. Pitch Perfect 2 played Emily. This is kind of the big one that launched her music career. Right, James? Yeah, so she actually gives credit to this movie for her realizing that she could actually do create music as like part of a profession where she's like, no one had heard me sing at this point and growing up, like I loved singing and I wanted to be a professional singer, but acting kind of, obviously if you get nominated for an Oscar in your first role, that's going to take uh, precedent. And after this is when she was like, you know what I can let me focus on a music career as well. What I found fascinating is she also says that like she enjoys creating music, and I'm sure we'll get into kind of her music career here in a little bit, because she gets to have a free artistic expression, whereas in 
movies, you're playing a character and like you can only give your own kind of interpretation of that to a certain extent. But my criticism is in her music, she doesn't really give you a lot. Uh, I feel like she gives you more in her acting roles, even though it's not, you know, her complete, you know, freedom than in her music, which is like good pop Mm -hmm. songs. You know, it's not like the darkest where it's like, oh, let me hear of your life. It's more of like, yeah, it's a good pop song. You guys have seen Pitch Perfect too, right? They kind of blend together for me. Okay. Is Rebel Wilson in all of them? Yeah. I haven't seen the third one. I have no idea which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't. <laughs> I, I enjoy the first one quite a bit, actually. Um, the second one's weak. What really pisses me off about it is the the premise of Pitch Perfect, right, is that they are acapella, right? So they're, they do covers of other songs, right? Mm-hmm. But in Pitch Perfect 2, they get invited to like an acapella world tour thing or whatever and they like compete against all the different countries and stuff so there's like germans and stuff it's it's, sounds like magic mike xxl but very yeah yeah, sort of but then the (laughs) in the in the final they they perform Haley steinfeld's character's song flashlight that she wrote so they just do a new song and it's like and then they win and like you're you're bastardizing the premise of pitch perfect which is that they're a cappella. like why like you can't you can't just it's not even the concept of the competition every cover band wants to get out of their cover world and create their own unique yep. but if you're music, in a competition you know? for best cover band you can't be like well yeah i wrote this really sick song <laughs> like that's not <laughs> yeah. that's true if you're doing if you're a cover band and at the end of your set you're like by the way we're gonna do this new song like fuck you get off the stage we can go for that everyone's be like no one cares man <laughs> As you agree with Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I don't even know what you're talking about. It, it, it can be a pretty funny movie, though. It's, it's, it's like a, a fun, bad, dumb movie, you know? Well, a song I have heard of is Taylor Swift's Bad Blood. And she appears in that music video along with lots of other like big female stars in the mid-2010s. She's not one of the, the group that's like marching alongside Taylor at the end. I think she plays like a guard or something in it, but... Makes the appearance in Tay-Tay's song. I think they're friends in real life as well. But it could be like one of those celebrity friends where it's like, they weren't a complete psychopath when I met them that one time. So I say we're friends. That year, she releases her first album, Haze, I assume is how that's pronounced. And three of her own music videos, including one with Shawn Mendes. And her song, Love Myself, made it up to number 27 on the Billboard Pop Charts which was, at the time, the highest debut for a solo female artist in 17 years. Yeah. No big deal, right? Got the Oscar nom right out the gate. First album does something no other solo female artist has done in almost two decades. Must be tough being great everything, at yeah. everything you would... <laughs> everything you figure you take a shot and at. You can sing, you can act. I mean, she hasn't done any stage work, but I mean, she has a realistic chance to get an EGOT if she really wanted to in her career. Yeah. You just say that, and then all of a sudden, it's like, this is the most moving live performance we've witnessed since Hamlet was actually uh, written and Shakespeare was still alive. I can't wait for 15 years from now when she's like, oh, man, I came all the way from that shitty Romeo and Juliet remake all the way to where I'm at today. (laughs) I really feel like my time was spent wisely. Um, Another music piece, she was in a Pentatonix music video as well in 2015. And then... She was in the lowest critic score, which is Term Life, 2016. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Rigby's going to talk about it, and I believe the text he sent to the group chat yesterday is, what is this fucking movie with Vince Vaughn and Haley Steinfeld? 
<laughs> Hopefully, maybe he has answers. I don't know. Let's hear. Yeah, so I've had about 24 hours to process it, and I thought I actually thought about getting my own life insurance after watching this movie. Um, that's how bad it was. So, dang. The big picture of this movie is I have never seen so many big stars with so little to work with and so little of their talent used here and have never been like when I saw when I I'll admit like when I saw the cast in this movie I was excited it was John Favreau, Vince Vaughn, Haley Steinfeld, Tarja B Henson, Bill Paxton who I love, Jonathan Banks, I feel like I'm forgetting some because there's more. Terrence Howard, Jordy Aaron Mola, Howard. yeah, Jay Wiggum, Shay Wiggum, Mike Epps, Mike Epps, yes. Loaded. To get to the gist of the movie, uh, Vince Vaughn plays a um, – he basically gets paid to be the – to come up with the logistics of, of planning heists, basically. And his daughter, played by Haley Steinfeld, her name is Kate, is introduced about 20 minutes in the movie. But the, the point of the movie is that Vince Vaughn has a job that goes bad due to a corrupt cop played by Bill Paxton. Um, one of the – Guys who paid Vince Vaughn for the for a heist to plan is the son of a drug lord who thinks that Vince Vaughn is responsible for the job going bad after his son was killed. So Vince Vaughn realizes that he has the heat coming down on him and he's got drug cartels coming after him. And so his he wants to enact a new life insurance policy so that when he eventually is killed, his daughter will reap the benefits of, of his insurance policy. And he has three weeks for the for the insurance policy to come into effect once he applies for it. And the, the person, the insurance agent who takes the application is Tarji B. Henson. And then you don't see her ever again. It is the weirdest. I don't even call, call it a cameo. It's like the weirdest performance by like a good actor. And this movie's full of them that they're just never, it's like these actors were just like, I don't know how they read the script and agreed to be in it because when they showed up, they had to have been disappointed because there's really nothing for them to work with here. Not one single redeemable character in this whole movie. Haley Steinfeld's probably probably the best character in the movie just because she does play like a good teenager well, which is what I guess if they were what they were looking for here, they got it, but I was so disappointed in this movie. So sad because I love all of these actors and I haven't looked to see what this director's done, but hopefully that's hopefully, what I'm looking yeah. up right now. I wanna I wanna say that I, I just Googled I have no idea what this is, but I Googled the director. And the director is the little kid from a Christmas story. Oh yeah. Peter Billings. Oh, Peter Billings. That's yeah. actually because he's really good friends with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. So he, that, that's probably why I got him. Yep. He directed Couples Retreat. Huh. Which is not a bad movie. That one's okay. I did not know that. I knew that name sounded familiar, but I didn't actually. I was so disgusted by this movie that I like refused to do any other further research. <laughs> Rigby, that looks like his only two directing credits. This and Couples Retreat. Okay, yeah. So hopefully he should go back to playing uh, kids who want a little red rifle BB gun because this is this is really bad. It's it deserves a zero, and it's it's not. It's not Speed 2 bad, but it's or uh, Dark Crimes bad, but it's up there. At least I finished this one as compared to Dark Crimes. But I'm sure Haley Steinfeld, obviously she has a successful music career to kind of make up for this stinker of a movie. But um, this, thing, this thing lost over $16 million. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Really, <laughs> it's it has bad. a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Zero. 
That's wild. The first the first line is Vince Vaughn's narration. He's like, I plan heists. It's like, really? This is what we're fucking doing? This is the most cliche. Like, it's just it's just not good, man. And his hair looks like mine, which is awful. You don't want it. Okay. <laughs> I like to watch other people's reviews, so at least somebody did <laughs> say yeah. something. Yeah. Just I hair. agree with everything that Rigby said. It is uninspiring. Well, good for all those other actors we might cover one day, because We've we've got their this lowest critic out of the way, so we'll have to get creative with the other actors. If we ever cover Kane Velasquez, who plays Marco in this movie, <laughs> nope. One of the trivia facts can be attempted to murder a child molester and is currently awaiting trial. hero, hero, hero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, very proudly admitted. Yep, I did try to do that. Fucking deserve yep. it. We'll see how that trial Maybe goes. I found a review from, from Brian Tallarico of Roger, RogerEbert.com, and it sums up everything you said. Great actors wander in and out of a scene. Some of them get shot, some just disappear, and the move trudges onward. At least it pauses briefly to address Vince Vaughn's, Vince Vaughn's ridiculous haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Summed up in a nutshell. I, I don't recommend watching it. It's on Netflix, but in, in case you want to, if you need something to fall asleep to tonight, maybe check it out. Do you like wasting your time watching terrible movies that have no redeeming value? Check out Term Life. Then this is the podcast for you. That's that's a tagline for us, for sure. <laughs> One more big review. And before that, the only thing to mention is her, she did a music video with DNC called Rock Bottom in 2016. And then we hit highest critic score. So we go from the lowest of the lows, the zero percents, all the way up to highest critic score, which is the edge of 17 Roll that Nabter, Golden Gloom, and Critics' Choice noms. And Madi is our guest, Munson. He struck gold this time. Next week, our guest gets lowest critic score. So nice. Madi gets this one. Be interested to see his thoughts. Edge of 17 or The Edge of 17. It's directed by Kelly Fremont Craig. It's a high school coming of age movie. Um, Haley Seinfeld plays a girl, a junior named Nadine. She has, it's either a twin brother or her slightly older brother, whatever, played by Blake Jenner is kind of this like hotshot classic jock sort of guy. So he's really popular and she feels really, really like a dweeb, sort of awkward. And really the one shining thing in her life right now is that her best friend, Krista, who's played by Haley Lou Richardson, like has her back. And sort of the thing that kind of skyrockets the, the plot of this movie or kind of causes the tension to build or whatever is that Krista ends up dating her brother Darian and it kind of causes Nadine's life to spiral. I remember when this first came out and you know it it's got like a 94% I think on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, 94%. So there was a lot of critical buzz about this movie. So I was really excited for it. And then when I watched it I was like, ah, not as good as I wanted it to be. But uh, again, I'm glad I had to rewatch this again because six years later, I think this is a really, really phenomenal movie, specifically because we've seen so many of these teenage coming of age films, right? And there's sort of a formula to them. And I'll, usually the character is this sort of like nobody or misunderstood kind of angsty person and everyone else in the world is wrong and they know what's right. And they usually bond about them being an old wizened soul with, you know, some sort of sympathetic adult character, usually a teacher or whatever, and they really get them and they kind of like learn to grow and survive this world where everybody else is just stupid, but they're they're right and smart and quirky and unique. And this movie kind of says, 
what if what if that was not true and instead the main character is kind of just sucky like the character just sort of sucks and i I think it really kind of like where where every time you expect a movie like this to zig this movie zags and so you've got woody harrelson playing her teacher who just like does not care about her she always tries to bond with him and be like i'm you know i i feel like i was born out of this generation and woody harrelson's like well what if People just don't like you. <laughs> and so I think this movie does a really good job at introducing this character. And, you know, there it does it does a good job of striking the the balance between like telling you why this character is like this, but also kind of holding her accountable for being sort of a piece of shit like all kids are. It just feels like a very real portrait of what a high school rom-com coming of age would be in a way that I think like book smart is sort of like a more raunchier version of this. So if you haven't seen this, I would really, really recommend checking it out. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. All the characters feel rounded and all of them feel flawed, right? Like there's no perfect character. And what's interesting about this movie is that it's not really about Krista betraying her trust and starting to date her older brother. And it's not really about her relationship with the Hayden Zito character. It's kind of just like about this character learning to be a little less shitty, despite having some pretty shitty things happen to her. And I think that's a super relatable story. I I would really recommend this one for people who haven't seen it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. When Woody Harrelson says, I have, I've got a tip for you. I got a recommendation. You should get a life. I was like, Oh fuck. Teachers. (laughs) I can't say that to a student. He has a bunch of those, yeah, where, like, he definitely would not be allowed to say that, right? Like, in the beginning, the opening scene is she just goes to him and is like, I'm going to kill myself. And which is, I, I should say, sorry, like, uh, trigger warning, of course. And it's not something that you can easily joke about. But in the movie, it works perfectly where he's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill myself, too, because you keep talking to me. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's such like a, a riff on those, like, the perks of being a wallflower is the one that comes to mind or Dead Poet Society or something where it's like, oh, we're so misunderstood. And it's like, no, nah, world's not that deep sometimes. Sometimes you kind of just suck and you have to realize that. Everybody else sucks too. Great movie. Their, their dynamic is, I think, my favorite part of the movie. I mean, when she's like shitting on him, like you met, you know, a guy that makes thirty five grand a year, blah blah I blah. Love, Kyle was gonna <laughs> say that's the best line. Is she? She's just undressing him because he's, you know, not giving in to her kind of self pity. Yeah, and she's making fun of every aspect of him. And then she mentions how much money he makes. And it's like, instead of being pissed off, which he has every right to be, because she said some mean shit. Terrible. Yeah, he's just like, you're the first person who's ever actually underestimated the amount of money. I've that part <laughs> made me feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah good. He's, like, he's like, that's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> this film really took advantage of Haley Steinfeld as an actor. Like, she feels a bit off, right? I said she had homeschooled vibes. Like, she is just a little weird, at least the way that she presents herself. And I think sometimes... Sometimes the movies or movies with her try to be like, hey, this person's like not one of the most attractive people ever. And like that can be a little annoying. Movies do that all the time. I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh my God, look, she's got glasses on. Isn't she ugly? I was like, no, she's not. <laughs> yeah. It's a stunningly yeah. attractive person with glasses. That's what that is. Yeah. There's a little bit of that in this. And like, even like her, her friend, Haley Lou Rich, like they're both just very like classically beautiful women i think still that like the the kind of quirky offbeatness that she 
Oh, and like the annoyingness that she has in like True Grit and Pitch Perfect 2 and some of her other stuff really works here. This is my favorite role of hers. Yeah. If I was going to pick my number one, it would be Edge of 17. And she's great in True Grit, don't get me wrong. But like the amount of energy she brings to this role, especially when like she tells her brother dibs on the house to the weekend when mom goes out of town. And then just next thing you know, he's got all his boys over in the pool. I was like so relatable yeah. so relatable yeah and it's just her and her best friend and they're shit-faced in her room it's like yeah that's exactly what two kind of like loners would yeah. be doing <laughs> yeah. and i mean i don't think this works if you have an actor that isn't charismatic enough to make the character likable or understandably sympathetic despite her doing and saying some pretty terrible things uh, go watch it it's on netflix so that's the last Big review, so we're just going to cruise right to modern day where we're at now. But a, a jam-packed five years, so a lot more music videos. So she did one alongside Zed in Grey called Starving, which is probably her most like popular song. I don't. I think it's number two in terms of total Spotify listens. Yeah, song's very catchy. I I knew that song before I knew it was her singing it. I had no clue it was her until two weeks ago. <laughs> when we started digging into this, I was like, yep. oh shit, that's Haley Steinfeld. I've heard this song tons of times. Yep. But as of 2016, 2017, she reached 1 billion Spotify streams. So just to show how popular her music is, she's done very well. Suck it, Tyrese. Suck it, Tyrese. <laughs> Reprises her role in Pitch Perfect 3 in 2017, and then makes her appearance as Charlie, the lead in 2018's Bumblebee, a movie that Mark Yerke raved about on her Angela Bassett episode and said, you guys should watch it. Great. Did anybody watch it? Anybody? I love it. I think it's fantastic. I did. And I was so pleasantly surprised because Transformer movies, I really liked the first one. And so I was so excited for the second one to come out. And I was just continuously slapped in the face (laughs) by Michael Bay. And everyone that came out was more and more offensive. And so when this came out, I was like, no, I'm not doing it again. I'm not fallen for this again i am so insulted they're still making it and then after hearing all the great reviews finally watched it and it is such a cool way to tell this story it is like kind of a prequel but it's got like you know big iron giant vibes to it it's just really well done and she's acting against nothing but a blue (laughs) screen and so it's probably tremendously difficult for her to add heart to that story because Bumblebee comes across like a kind of like a, a pet, right? Where like you could tell if he's happy or if he's sad, but he can't communicate. But on her end during acting, like she's probably just like reacting to a golf ball or some shit. Like it's like, hey, we think we're gonna put him over here. Yep. Like, oh cool, I'll pretend to cry. Mm-hmm. She's very charming in that role. Uh, this very is, charming. This is almost highest critical score. That would be wild. It is. It's very close. Very, very close. And Angela Bassett, she's the main baddie. We said she gets a ton of screen time. Right, not only the first female Transformer. I mean, she's the antagonist of this movie. So it's a cool film. Is it the highest-rated Transformer movie? When I told you I was going to see Ambulance, the latest Michael Bay film, I know you said you know you don't have to see it, and that's true. But I will say, I like. I heard it. that was good, and a lot of people like it. The reviews are yeah. like, yeah, it's like, trust me, you want to hate it, but it's actually pretty good. All right, so here's the movie James was talking about. She plays Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Here's the question. Rigby, did you watch the movie? No. Why just why why just me? Are you kidding? Because you're the only one who has like the you're like 
Martin Scorsese, but in human form on this podcast, where it's like, oh, why would I ever watch such you know, vile, elementary vile entertainment? Yeah, lowbrow entertainment. I love a night at the Roxbury. Come on, we just reviewed that. <laughs> I just don't like I just don't like cartoons and Marvel movies. I will proudly say that this is my favorite Spider-Man movie by far. Yeah, not not remotely close. And it, I am only putting above it in, in regards to superhero movies, um, the final two Dark Knight movies. Logan is close, but I still think this is like a firm number three. I won't disagree with you. It is. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it's top five for everybody. People would push it off and they're like, well, it's a cartoon. And then it also definitely got pushed back because it was like, oh, is this like... Uh, you know, like a, a woke thing. They got a black Spider-Man now. If you watch this movie, you will stop having these stupid conversations. I promise you. Because they address everything and it makes so much sense. And it is beautifully done. It is so funny. It was a comic before this with Miles Morales. So it's not like they created a movie. They didn't create the character, right? And Gwen Stacy is awesome. Soundtrack. one of the Spider-Man variants from in the multiverse. I did not realize it was Haley Steinfeld, to be honest. Either did I. Did not know it was her voice. Are they doing like a all-female spinoff or something? Didn't they announce it at some point with like her and um, Silk and a bunch of the other female Spider characters? Olivia Wilde is directing a secret yes. Sony picture, but it's, it's anticipated it's going to be Spider-Girl. So probably. Okay. And they're in post-production for the follow-up yeah. to this. Mm-hmm. So they've already filmed it and they're just putting the animation together coming too. um it's supposed to come out like yeah it's part two, one yeah. the first part's coming out next year but i couldn't recommend this enough even if you don't know shit about spider-man it goes out of its way to make like light of that and immediately catch you up to speed and awesome animation that makes it feel like a comic book it has a ton of heart i couldn't recommend it enough. oh signed i feel like it's not watching it it was it's not streaming free anywhere right now unfortunately too which is a challenge uh, i like the spider-man video game with miles <laughs> in it, but i didn't see the movie a couple things after that so she made a very brief appearance as a singer in one of my favorite music videos from the past couple of years and that's little dickie's earth she plays the common fungus so it's it's brief he's got a lot of singers in that one but if you haven't seen that before definitely go watch that music video it's really funny she plays herself in a scene in Between Two Ferns, the movie, and, you know, has has one of those stereotypical awkward interviews with, with Zach Galifianakis. It's like, oh, so you're in Pitch Perfect 2 and Pitch Perfect 3. He's like, have you apologized to your fans for insisting to only be in the <laughs> shitty Pitch Perfects? <laughs> so good. I think he's great on that yeah. show. Like, I know it's scripted and they're in on the joke for the most part, but, like, his brand of humor is perfect for that. Bradley Pitts. <laughs> His interview with Brad Pitt is really fun. What did they list her name as? It was really a funny reading of it. Something Seinfeld. He always does that. But that's on Netflix. Go check it out. Really funny. If you enjoy the Galifianakis um, model. Her name and, and it was H. Lee Seinfeld. And Seinfeld was in quotes. <laughs> H. Lee Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, man. Another brief appearance in 2019's Charlie's Angels. She plays one of the angel recruits in like the the post credit scene with Allie Raisman and Lily Reinhardt, which is like my young actress, like heaven. 
those three in one place. I'm like, oh my god, oh Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Would love to see that sequel. Let's go. They are the recruits. I didn't know that Banks wrote and directed that. Mm-hmm. She did the previous two Pitch Perfects, right? Two and three. That's why we bring you on, Madi, so you can connect the dots. Haley released her second album in 2019 called Half Written Story. Five music videos on the YouTube came from that, so there's a lot of singles from that. And she also directed her only directing credit up to this point. She directed her music video for I Love Yous. So maybe that'll lead to other directing of shorts and feature films. Who's to know? I haven't seen any interviews where they ask her about that. Based on her hit rate, it'll be like, yeah, you know, I just kind of figured I'd try this directing thing out. Lo and behold, I win an Oscar <laughs> for it. You know, who, who could have saw that coming? Weird. Just try anything. And then 2019 to 2021, she plays Emily Dickinson in the show Dickinson on Apple TV Plus, a show that I'd always heard about. I finally got around to actually watching. I made it to like episode six or seven. I enjoyed it for what it was through because it kind of turns very weird. It's a modern take on kind of like a period piece story. Her character, a critical role in this series, (laughs) small role in Dickinson. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, she's the lead. She everything runs through her in the show. And there's a lot of drugs. There's some some lesbian sex scenes with her. Surprise. If you didn't know Emily Dickinson was into women, you do now. I think it's worth a watch. Monty, would you recommend it to people? I I think if you you I stopped watching after a couple episodes because I just wasn't feeling it. It's it's a very particular show. And I think if you watch the first one and you like it, it's very well made like pretty much everything on Apple TV plus it's just like a very specific vibe that I was not, not vibing with, but not feeling. Yeah. yeah, but I wouldn't not recommend it. And then another lead role in a TV show in arcane she plays V from 2021, a, which I believe is connected to the league of legends universe. And I know the second season was green lit. So that's coming at some point. And I assume she's going to resume her role in that, but it's not on her IMDb yet, at least. So animated show. I watched a little bit of it, but it's not really my jam, so I didn't get terribly far into it. But another lead role. It's on my to-do list. I've heard really good things about it. It's pretty clear at this point that she she's not much of a supporting character at this point in her career. It's it's all lead roles for her, which takes us to our last role we're going to talk about, which is her new character in the Marvel Universe. So we've, we had Gwen Stacy in the Sony side going to the other side, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She played Kate Bishop in the, sh- the Disney Plus show, Hawkeye. She's the best part of the show, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Her and Flopo. Yeah, she kind of like takes, she takes the show away from Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just what funny. they want, right? That, that's yeah. kind of, they're handing it off. I said, going to number one on IMDb, she has to steal the show. Mm-hmm. It's three weeks straight. Yeah, because this is one, one of the, just like a lot of the other projects, movies or shows right now, Marvel is slowly handing off they know the Guardians of the Galaxy get one more movie, then they're gone out of the picture. Like Thor, Love and Thunder, handing it off to Jane. Like they're they're moving away from all the original Avengers and bringing in a lot of these new younger characters and characters like Moon Knight. So they chose her strategically to be one of these new young Avengers. And I think it was a great choice. I mean, it's so interesting to see them do this with people that in my opinion are so clearly like movie stars, right? Like her and Florence Pugh are like movie stars mm-hmm. and they're being introduced in Disney plus TV shows. And I like talk. It'll be really interesting to see when and how they bring them into the movies and whether, I don't know, like, does she get her? I mean, I guess Jeremy Renner never got her, his own movie, but like, what is her role going to be in 
when she's next to like Anthony Mackie and uh, Simu Liu and, and all that stuff. I'm really excited to see them like have movie star roles, you know? I mean, ultimately that shows setting up Kingpin and the street level Marvel crew going forward. So I know Echo's getting her own show at some point. Daredevil obviously was introduced in the Spider-Man movie. So they're going to bring a lot of those like non supernatural, non magic folks and start to build that world out. That'd be cool. Yeah, it will. She's great in this role. But again, she's in her mid twenties and playing a character. Correct me if I'm wrong, who seems like the back end of her teenage years. So she's still not playing like a grown woman. She's still playing a young woman, even though she's in her mid twenties. So yeah, I'll talk about here in a little bit. I'm very interested with her career going forward when she transitions to playing adult roles versus playing younger people. Good point. Yeah. She looks so young, so she can still do it. But I'm really interested when her agent and team is going to start to have her take on more dramatic adult roles. I just don't know. Yeah. She's in her pocket. I don't know if you leave it. If you still look good, you look young. Why leave it if, it, if it's if it works? Well, and in Hawkeye, she's still kind of playing that like annoying thorn in the side of Jeremy Renner, right? Like that sort of like Esther too optimistic for her own good kind of thing. So I feel like eventually she'll have to shake that or she'll want to shake that and take a little bit more. It's not that she doesn't do serious roles, right? Like the edge of 17, it's a comedy, but it's, it's, it's relatively like dramatic stuff, but like, you know, more very, very dramatic roles. I wonder how she'll handle those. It's the issue of, you see a lot of child actors who are super successful when they're younger, where it's, they're playing age appropriate roles to start. And that's actually a rarity where it's like, Oh, that's a 14 year old playing a 14 year old. Mm. And then it's like, Oh, I've known this person for 10 years. And they're like, Oh my God, she's playing a high school. It's like, this is actually like when actors normally play high schoolers when they're 25 and 26, she was just playing a high schooler when she was actually a high schooler. And so we're like, Oh, I want to see her grow out of this. And it's like, there are probably 30 year olds who are playing high schoolers still. That brings us to 2022 modern day. And gets us into some top performances from Rigby. Let's see what he's got. I'm sure he's waking up from all the Marvel conversation that we're having right now. We got a list from Collider from December 5th, 2021. So it's updated and it involves TV and film and it's ranked numerically and it's nine selections. You knew all the questions we were going to ask. It's like we've done this 58, 59 times before. (laughs) Getting it all out of the way. All right. I'm going to throw it out there. Edge of 17. Please be number one. Number one. Yes. Nice job. True grit. True grit. Number two. Yep. Now we just got to keep going. All right. What's number three? Uh, Bumblebee. Uh, number five. Good call. Five. five. Very good call. Though. Okay. Uh, Dickinson. Will be number three. three. Yeah. She's she's good in that show. I get angry. We need four. Pitch Perfect two. Hawkeye. No to both of those. Oh. Spider Verse. Even though she's a side character. Number eight. Number eight. Begin again. No. I don't want to guess Ender's Game. Ender's Game, Madi is number ten. Nice or number nine. Nice work. Hmm. So we need we need eight, we need six, and we need four. What is four between two? Four. <laughs> There's no way that made it. Is is Arcane four? Yes. Wasn't that Hideo where we were just like, dude, we give up. Yeah. Just tell us. No, like, it was somebody no before chance. that too. I think both of them were. All right. So what were the top three again, Rigby? Edge of seventeen, number one. True Grit two, and Dickinson three. I like that. I vibe with that. I can vibe with that. I haven't seen Dickinson, so I'll just have to take your word for it. She's doing a lot. She is. I mean, quite the quite the pop for 
only having done this for like 14 years. Yeah, and the I mean, this kind of the Jennifer Lopez problem is like, like she's just as popular now as a musician as she is as an actress. I think that's really saying something too. Let's get into the Munson meter. What we do is we rate every actor on a scale of zero to 100 based on a variety of factors that could include anything from longevity, project choice, pop culture impact, their acting range, awards footprint, any other talents they might have, their personal life, comedic chops, box office success, or lack thereof, and anything else that matters to us as Munsons. So this time we will start with Case. I didn't know a whole lot about her before this episode. I tend to focus primarily on film, and I do tend to focus a lot on the numbers. So it's kind of a 50-50 thing for me. I do like that she is multi-talented. Obviously got the respect of a lot of decision makers in Hollywood. There's some relevance to that. And she was phenomenal in True Grit. To continue to have a good career after such a breakout performance so early, I do think is really impressive. You know, the longevity obviously is not there, but it really can't be because she's just not been around that long. You know, everything else just kind of falls into kind of limbo and in an area where I don't really know how I feel. Kind of line her up with a couple of the other performers we've looked at, and I'm going to give her a 65. Right. It's going to make my score seem like I'm following Craig here, which is upsetting. But Craig, great score. I also gave her a 65. Nice. On my end, I think she has the makings of being a world-class actress. I think it's all the makings, right? You you see the personality. She's bursting with personality. She she can play, you know, a quirky know-it-all to kind of like a stubborn and aggressive flawed teenager. Like there's so many aspects of the roles that she's played and she's only played the, you know, the the quote-unquote young adult roles and you've already seen kind of the spectrum that she's able to perform in, which I think is really impressive. What I find interesting is that I think her music career is going to get in the way of her movie career because I think she has tapped into this like kind of pop EDM mixture and has been super successful at it. And so like you listen to her songs and they're so catchy and they're like manufactured to be top 40 hits, right? And so where she gives you this real authentic version of, or at least authentic version of characters in the role she plays, you don't really get that in her music yet. You might get it soon, right? She kind of becomes more comfortable expressing herself because at the moment it's more like, again, classic young adult stuff where it's like, oh, I love you, but you kind of did me wrong and this beat's great and you're singing this in your car and you're going to play it again. And there is a place for that, and I appreciate that. But I am, I am selfishly hoping that she focuses more on the acting career because, one, I clearly uh, am a big fan of movies, hence episode 60. Yeah. Uh, but two, she is tremendously talented. Yeah. Um, I thought she was well-deserved of that nomination, and she was 14 years old up against heavyweights in the industry. And I'm excited to see where her career goes from there. And so I also gave her 65. Mahdi, our guest Munson. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I agree with pretty much everything that Case and James are saying. I, I think I would go actually a little bit higher, though. Maybe I, I'm just 
you know, I'm I'm the outsider on this score shame. Uh, ranking. So yeah, we don't score shame. So so I'm gonna go with a 75. She, I think, I I don't know. I don't have much else to add other than what James and Case already said. What will be really exciting, and you already said this too, Kyle. But just to see where she goes, I think the the promise of what she has left to do is really exciting and maybe that is over make making me overrate her a little bit or whatever but like i can completely see her taking on all sorts of different types of roles so hopefully she does that i mean if she doesn't want to then all the power to her she can keep making music but i really think that i could see her in all types of roles right now as we're saying she does just do very i don't know if similar is a fair assessment but like the type of characters that she plays are all very quirky or like kind of bubbly, spazzy, off the beaten path kind of thing. And I could also see her taking very traditional, yeah, yeah, just just traditional roles as well that are where she's playing it much more straight, much more dramatic, and it'd be really interesting to see her do those. So I think looking at, at a young actress and being like, I can't wait to see what she does is a really important part of that star quality making things so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with 75 i think okay rigby yeah so you guys hit it all i mean she's obviously uber talented her singing is um even though i'm not really too familiar with the songs it's the fact that she has 11 million monthly listener yeah monthly listeners is really impressive love true great loved her performance in that totally deserving of best supporting actress in that probably can't think of a better of a better way to start your career than working with the coen brothers and getting nominated for an oscar so i think that's really saying something kyle you made a great point about when her roles will start transitioning to a little bit more mature less angsty young teenager like because you know even in term life which is the movie i hated you know she is playing she's supposed to play like this independent daughter but at the same time she's still like that annoying kind of teenager who has to rely on her dad so i'm wondering when she'll snap out of that and become become the actress that i know that i think she she will become and that's 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 a award nominated if not award winning one so but that being said there's not enough i really to to grade her too high of a score so all that being said i'm gonna give her a 73 okay so i'll round this out you guys hit a lot of it i mean talented actress talented singer uh, so she comes with a lot of tools. I found her humor pretty entertaining. She also seems very genuine in her interviews. And, she, you know, she's very quirky. I don't think the quirkiness is just on screen. I think that's her personality, too. I respect that she's, like, in her mid-20s and people are asking her, like, are you dating people? And she's like, no, nah, I'm just doing me for right now. Like, she's just living her best single life or some version of that out on the West Coast. Got to respect that. But what I what I was really impressed by her is she's at such a young age demonstrated that she can carry a franchise, she can carry a film on her back. I mean, right out the gate, a lot of actors we cover never get to that lead category. They end up being a character actor most of their career. She made it clear from the jump that she can carry big money franchises. And the fact she's 14th out of 60 in the box office side, I mean, it says something about her her ability. Some of the stuff you guys didn't mention, her charity work. Even at her age, she's done work with What's Your Mission, No Kid Hungry, the WE Movement, the Ryan, Ryan Seacrest Foundation, Rianne Seacrest Foundation, and Make-A-Wish. So she's not only doing great stuff on screen, she's spending her time and her money on things that matter to her. So I give her some bonus points there. 
while the range isn't there yet, like you said, Rigby, and like you said, Mati, I'm just really interested to see how she transitions in some other different types of roles going forward. So with that, I'm going to give her a point less than James and Craig. So I guess I'm the low person on the totem pole this time. I'm going to give her 64. So uh, quite lower than her 14 in the box office. And that puts her between Bonnie Hunt and Matthew Broderick. Hollywood royalty. What do we think about that? I think that's extremely fair. You guys do a lot of good actors, so that makes sense to me. James, what does she have coming? We mentioned earlier how Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is one of the greatest uh, superhero movies of all time. Well, they are making a sequel to it. It's coming out in October called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. That is going to come out this year. It's with, uh, she's renewing her role, but it's also along Jake Johnson, Oscar Isaac, Shmeek Moore and Issa Rae. And then the all-female version that you guys mentioned earlier is currently in production, and that is supposed to come out next year, so that'll be 2023. Superhero stuff coming, and then season two of Arcane as well on the, on the horizon. Five actors that we threw onto the wheel for episode 61, which will drop on May 5th. And our featured guest is Mike Vandevort. He's actually one our first new guest we've had in a while. He's a, a fly siphon butler. He's a really interesting guy. He does something called zooming the movies, where they'll they'll cover they'll do reenactments of films and they'll take on certain roles and and do those kind of like live. It's basically like a live play, but over Zoom instead of in person. Interesting. Yeah. So it'd be interesting for him to, to, to learn a little bit more about what they've been doing. So it seems pretty cool. So he's coming on to talk about one of these five. We've got Anthony Mackie, Annette Benning, Evan Jones, Frank Langella, and Dylan Minette. What do we like? What do we dislike? And what do we think Mike might pick, even though we, you guys don't know much about him? If he picks Evan Jones, who I had to look up, and for those of you at home listening, that's Cheddar Bob. I'll be kind of upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, it... Looking at this list, there's a couple different opportunities to watch 8 Mile with him and Mackie in there. It's like half the cast. Papa Doc's real name is Clarence. He's his parents. Sorry. Have a real good marriage. Yes. <laughs> have a really good marriage. I went to Cranbrook. That movie. 8 Mile. 8 Mile That's right. Uh, Annette Benning is obviously the like the prestige pick here. I think it's Frank Langella is the uh, prestige pick. That's just me, though. I think they're both uneven playing. They're both prestige picks. I think you're both right. They're both damn good. Franklin Jell won for something. I don't know. Or was he just nominated recently? I swear he was at... Ross Nixon, maybe? I think he was nominated. No, he wasn't nominated for Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, he got nominated for Frost Nixon. Yeah, Which he's damn good in that. Right movie. He's really good in The Americans, too. Mm-hmm. He's in the box with James Morrison and Cameron Diaz. Yeah, and I don't know. Cheddar Bob, I don't really know much about him other than Cheddar Bob, so that'll be that'll be an interesting one. He shoots himself in the dick in that one movie. <laughs> the one we keep talking about. I also didn't know who, who Dylan Minnette is, and then I looked him up. And I actually like him. He's young. He's only been in a couple things. But in the things I've seen, I've enjoyed him. I thought he was great in Scream. Scream. He's in the Goosebumps movie. He's in that 13 Reasons Why thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And while that show is flawed, it is not flawed because of him. Yep. And he's in Prisoners, too. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. This is not Mackie's first appearance on the wheel either. He's He's been on here before and not selected. I enjoyed him in the night before. Thought he was very funny. We get a lot more Marvel talk right up Rigby's alley. What else has he been in lately? He's in a few Spike Lee movies too. Anthony Mackie. Mm. 
Oh, is he? I always think of like the Adjustment Bureau, Eight Mile. No, Hurt Locker is one of his big ones. Oh, Hurt Locker's good. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Hurt Locker's good. He's in intense. Detroit, which I thought was really good. Super underrated. Half Nelson's a good movie too with Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but I, I would rewatch that for sure. Yeah, you look up Evan Jones's IMDb, and it's a different actor by the name of Evan Jones who was born in 1927 and is currently dead. So the guy that we look up underneath him, it's like, oh, you mean this Evan Jones? Yeah, he died. No, different dude, just very common name. Yep. All right, so you guys don't know much about Mike, but who do we think Mike picked? Well, as a fellow fraternity brother, my guess is Anthony Mackey. I was going to say Mackie too. I feel like he's been on the wheel enough. It's, his time has come. Maybe. Case, you got a guess? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mackie. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. All right. Marty, who would you pick if we were going to do back-to-back Marty Girl episodes? Mackie. Oh, man. We got a clean sweep for Mackie. All right. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, we don't decide. Mike doesn't decide. Marty doesn't decide. The wheel decides, and we'll see how she goes. <laughs> Can we talk about secrets of our fraternity during the podcast? <laughs> we we would do that with John Rigby <laughs> or any you know one of these other ones. That's true. That's true. Marty, always fun, man. Yeah, dude. Glad to have you again. This this is the hot ones. This camera, this camera, this camera. Your chance to shine. Any uh, words of wisdom for the audience? Want to talk a little bit about your your YouTube Twitch channels? Yeah, yeah. I, I go by Flygon HG on YouTube and Twitch. If you are interested in Pokemon content, I do a lot of Pokemon stuff. Uh, playthroughs of the older games, the newer games with rule sets that make them harder and hopefully more interesting. So uh, it's been really, really fun to get to do that. I love Pokemon. It's been something I've, you know, I've done since I was five. So it's really cool to actually kind of like make a living around it so i really really love doing it put a lot of effort into it so if you're interested in that sort of stuff give me a follow check out some of my videos they're really fun yeah looking forward to talking with you guys again i uh, you know i i love coming on here and it's always fun thanks for making me feel like part of the group dude we love having you on here man we'll share your videos online thank you we always share your youtube channel last time we had you you were kind of on the just on the upswing of your channel so whenever you come back in like seven months you'll be too cool for us because you'll be so big by then you'll be getting 11 million streams you'll be Haley steinfeld level and (laughs) we'll just yeah where's my munson's episode well as we wrap this episode up episode 60 you can find us on twitter munson's at movies you can find us on instagram munson's at the movies you can email us munson's at the movies at gmail.com any final thoughts from Haley steinfeld You're a dick. Maybe nobody likes you, huh? You're always in a shit mood. You're a really shitty teacher. You put zero effort into everything you do here, and there's no way you're proud of that. Look at you. Look at, like, like you you do nothing. Look at your hair. You don't even, you don't do your hair because you don't have any hair. (laughs) You're bald. And you know what? You know why you're not married? Because bald men are gross, and they're disgusting, and especially the ones that make $45,000 a year. Munson's out. All right, let's go. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Doctor, shall we? You have 12 million Instagram followers. How long did it take you to apologize to each one of them for Bumblebee? I walked out of that movie. I'm just kidding, I didn't walk out of the movie. I skipped out because I was so happy to be leaving.